0: Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Monica Badieu, an email marketing conversion copywriter and copy coach. So this week, we're talking email copywriting. Thanks for downloading. How long do you spend writing the copy for your email campaigns? Be honest, do you do much research into what your customers really want? Uh, This week's chat is a cracker, and you're going to learn a huge amount. I did. I'm talking to Monica Badiou, a conversion copywriter and copy coach who has more than 25,000 hours of hands-on marketing experience and one of the biggest course creators in the world hired her to optimise their email marketing efforts. So we're going to be talking copy strategies, call-to-action buttons, customer research, and how do we actually get a sale to sound like it's not really a sale? and not very spammy, if that makes sense. You can find Monica on LinkedIn, YouTube, and her website. There's links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media and subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Monica was, what's the most important part of an email campaign that you need to get right?
1: The context, right? why, so why are you sending these emails to me right now? It's the middle of summer or it's September. Why should I care? Why should I pay attention to something that you're saying and context, the context of that email, what's happening to your audience at the time you're sending that email is very important because it's going to help you become relevant you're going to tap into a conversation they are already having. So, for instance, if we're talking taxes, April is the month where in the U.S. lots of people are doing their taxes. Hmm. So that's context. If your emails talk about that, then you're going to catch your audience's attention and they are going to want to open that email and pay attention because you have something to say about the situation they are
0: in. I like that. It's kind of asking, why am I sending this email out? Exactly. Yeah, I think we should all ask that. The problem, I suppose, is that if you ask most people, why am I sending this email out? It's it's kind of like, because I want to sell things. But that's that's kind of like a selfish point of view, isn't it?
1: Yes. And, you know, the wor- there is even a worse situation where they're going to say, I have to send something. So I'm just going to send this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, do do you hear a lot of folks saying kind of like, I haven't sent an email for ages and ages, so I better yes. just send one?
1: Yes. Yes. And what happens, especially if they're kind of they're in a big need for leads or for sales, for like um a cash flow, then they're going to send multiple emails and they're going to get uh, that reac- reaction that everybody is so scared of. People unsubscribing, being marked as spa- a spam people not clicking, maybe even getting some like hate emails. Uh, and that's simply because they were not consistent with their communication. It's like you and I meet and then we don't talk for like five years. And mm. then I call you and I ask you for money or for
0: <laughs> yeah. something
1: like really big. It's like, we're no, sorry, <laughs> not, that's not how it works.
0: Yeah, I like that analogy. That's really good. That is. So do you think we should all ask why I suppose I'm trying to think of a question to ask it's like why should the customer, why should the subscriber, why should they read this email, what what yes. use is it of them? What you know, how does it make their life better in some tiny way, I suppose?
1: My advice for the clients I work with and the people I coach is put yourself in your audience's shoes. Every day, every minute of their life, there is so much going on and they so, have so many different priorities and they have so many other people asking for their attention whether it's family whether it's work whether it's I know people on the street whether it's I know media or even competitors so you really need to put yourself in your audience's shoes and think what does this person need right now to see And how can I help them? Because everyone right now is reacting out of a place where, why does this matter to me now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a really good, good plan to kind of keep asking yourself, why am I sending this? That's really good. Is the subject line still really, really, I mean, it's got to be really important, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to, because it's the first thing you see, isn't it? When an email lands, really.
1: Well, it's the name and then, um, yes, the subject line. Mm. If you don't have a good subject line, you're not going to entice people into opening that email. Yeah. So even if they do see it in their inbox, because that's another part of the journey, they still need to be enticed or curious enough to click or tap to tap and read it.
0: Yeah. So I suppose it's like the from name is like, do I know who who this email is from? Do I recognize recognize them, I suppose? Um, And then the subject is kind of like, am I interested in what this, you know, something in the email? Yeah,
1: Yeah, because think about it. Uh, I think there was a study that said that we receive around 170 emails per day. So if I go in my inbox, I'm at work or I'm with my kid. I look at the notifications. I maybe can see that I received emails from some people, but in my head, it's, what do I prioritise? What needs my attention now? And it's like you're always sorting the information you're exposed to. And if your emails don't make sense to them right now, they're not going to even mark them mentally for, I'm going to read that a little bit later.
0: Yeah. Do you think we sometimes rush our email campaigns, rush them out? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. A lot of people are in reactive mode. They don't strategize. Uh, They do these emails with so much fear. It's insane. Um, And they just end up kind of messing it up. And I think it's it's a combination of fear and also a desire to receive results fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so you think it's better to plan things and kind of like schedule your campaigns ahead of time?
1: Yes, at least two Mm. weeks ahead and plan like a whole year of when you're going to send emails, what you're going to send, what you're going to sell, and why would that make sense for your audience to buy at that point in time. Yeah.
0: So what kind of strategies do you use that can help a conversion? Because... It's easy, I suppose, well, I don't suppose it's easy to get an open, but an open doesn't really matter, does it? Because an open doesn't mean somebody actually, you know, does something or buys something from you or creates a lead. How do you kind of, like, encourage conversions?
1: So there are plenty of tactics. Maybe I'm going to get into one specifically a a little bit later. But behind, like, the frameworks, behind everything... I know urgency tactics, discount tactics behind all of that. There's only one important thing you need to answer with your email. And that's, what's going to keep your audience, you know, paying attention. And that's why should they care? Why is this microphone something they should care about Mm. right now? Um, on a day in June yeah to a mom who is working from home, why should yeah. they care about this? And then you you kind of create the journey and you spend a lot more time talking with your audience about their life, describing the problem they have, opening their eyes to um, deeper problems that they are struggling with. That they might not be aware that they're connected with the first problem, the surface level problem, which could be, I don't have a good microphone to record podcasts. Yeah. How is that affecting your life? And then you take them into a journey. Um, The way I do things, and it's going to freak a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Freak me out. So, uh, the strategy I employ with um, the course creators who I work with at Data driven Marketing, and that's an agency that specializes specifically for, just for like course creators yeah. and sales funnels. Yeah. We send 11 emails over uh, 10 days.
0: Right. You see, that's quite a lot. Most people would say, oh my God, that's a lot.
1: I told you I was going to freak you yeah. out. Yeah.
0: But yeah, and yeah,
1: because that that's, and we that we does do sound like month. a lot. <laughs> we do it every month, and in some cases, we do it twice a
0: month. Right, because most most people are most people are scared of sending an email out once a week. They think it's too much.
1: Yes, exactly. But here's here's the thing: because there are so many misconceptions about email, and um, there's so so much trash advice online like really bad implementations of email marketing and copywriting that people think i have to make it that bad and it doesn't have to be that Mm. bad especially if you think it long term and you're an expert in your audience if you think long term you have plenty of time to create campaigns that sell without selling. And I know this sounds like something, I know everybody says, sell without selling, but that's exactly what this is because I'm not trying to convince you to buy something you don't need right now. I'm not even saying buy this and your life will change forever. No, the way we do these emails and the way I craft these emails is as if you're talking to a coach. Hey, coach, I have this problem. What should I do? And that coach isn't trying to sell me anything. That coach is guiding you towards the multitude of options you have to solve your problem if it's even a problem. The discounts, the bonuses, those come towards the end of the promotion. And um, they serve like the cherry on top. But again, they're not salesy. It's like, like, oh, my God, your life will be horrible if you don't take this mm-hmm. bonus. No, that's that's not real. That's bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. same goes for fearmongering tactics and for, you know, fake urgency and fake scarcity. Yeah. Those things might work, still work. But the more they are used, the less people... The less attention people are going to pay to those to
0: yeah. those tactics, yeah. So you're kind of sending out a lot of emails, but each one of them is actually of use to somebody. And I suppose you you get to the situation that if people aren't interested, then that's okay. They can unsubscribe. They can go away if they're not interested.
1: They can just remove themselves from receiving those emails. Yeah. But but here's the thing: if you make your emails valuable. And if you don't make them about the offer, the product, you make them about the solution, you make them about the potential transformation, they can have, once they have figured out the solution to the problem, not the product, people are going to want to read those emails, even if they're not going to buy, because yeah. they are very valuable, you're, you're giving them new perspectives yeah. about their life. It's like, hey, Uh, this is something that I've coached um, a client recently it's summer and kids are home right now and lots of moms are really struggling with a lot of pressure and stress yeah and they might not know why and it one of the reasons could be that the houses are a lot more messier because the kids are at home and you can't you don't have that time to clean it and it's been proven scientifically that if you have clutter around your house, you feel stressed. Yeah. You have poor sleep. You have fluctuating, um, moods. If there is already an existing condition of anxiety or, or exhaustion, then the coming of like the summer holiday is going to find a lot of moms even more stressed. Yeah. So that's the context. That's where you start your emails. Yeah. And you lead them, you show them how this potential problem is, I don't know, impacting the quality of their lives.
0: Sure, I get you. And
1: yeah. then you guide them towards so, what are your solutions? Well, you could just send your kids to summer camp.
0: Yep, sell then your kids.
1: You... <laughs> sell your kids, but then you love them <laughs> and you will feel guilty because you don't have enough time uh, with them.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: what else can you do? hire someone to clean it for you but can you afford it so you go through all these solutions and opportunities and you identify the one that you're the expert in yeah and then you introduce them to that solution and you explain how that works and once they are aware of your solution then you can introduce the product but in a very gentle way yeah it's not like this has saved the life of 10,000 people just like you. <laughs> yeah. no. Look, moms, just like you have used this. And they are saying things like, it, it has helped me reduce stress. I now sleep better. It has given me I don't know, processes to clean the house, whatever it is.
0: I like that. Sometimes, though, a sale is just a sale, isn't it? There's a sale on or there's a bargain or there's a discount or there's 50% off. So how do we do that without sounding spammy?
1: <laughs> so uh, I'm going to introduce um, some information from like consumer behavior and psychology here because this might help uh, listeners understand how this works. Yeah. So we have different ways of making decisions. Yeah. And we can be like super curious and we can rush to an opportunity. Uh, We can call those people early adopters. Those would be the people that would buy from your first emails just because you've presented the offer something interesting, exclusive, new, or even that discount you were saying. You also have logical decision makers and emotional decision makers. And then the next emails can address, I don't know, five reasons this works. Or five ways people just like you have had success with this or a case study. Hmm. The emotional decision maker, they act out of fear. But fear doesn't have to be something bad. It could also be the thrill of starting something new. So what's a fear they have about using your product or your solution, about the industry you're in, about their role as a mom, uh, their role at work? So you talk about that. The discount remains in the background as something that's good to have, but it's not the primary reason right They're looking at your stuff and then you have the procrastinators, and those people are usually the ones that are gonna buy towards like the last forty eight hours of a <laughs> of a sale yeah yeah, and they are geared towards you know um instant gratification. And that would be the discount. So you can have towards the end of that promotion, hey, your 50% discount is gone, is going away. But that doesn't mean the email has to be spammy. Mm-hmm. You can talk about the money back guarantee as a way to reduce their fear of starting mm-hmm. something new. You can even talk about procrastination and put things into perspective. So you can procrastinate and yes, this discount is going to go away and time will go away as well. What do you want to do with the amount of time you still have available? Do you want to start taking action towards achieving what you want? Or do you just want to you know, casually enjoy watching the days go by? That's still fine. Yeah. The world is not going to burn.
0: Yeah. I like that. I I like the idea of kind of like you're still focusing on the benefits of the products or the services. And it's almost like the sale or the discount or something is is just a a little bit of extra in the background.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I I call it customer-centric copywriting. And it's based on, you know, having really good knowledge of your customer, their pain points, their fears, their, Mm. their desires and how your product can help them with all of that but it's also a focus on the experience they can have and why it matters to them not the discount because discount everybody's throwing discounts all over the place they do help in converting yeah i'm not gonna attack that but it's too much focus on consuming stuff you don't need yeah. Right, you buy so much stuff you don't need <laughs> just because a lot of brands are tapping into your desire to, you know, fear of missing out or yeah, yeah. a resource hoarding. And that's a choice. You can do that with your email marketing, copywriting, sure, or you can have an approach that's very focused on nurturing your audience.
0: Yeah so how do you deal with calls to action do you do you have some like big giant bright buttons do you use text links something else do you do you scream at people click here i
1: I don't scream at people unless <laughs> um it's part of the the fun yeah <laughs> you can have fun at some point screaming at people but no like I don't use um you know all caps um I no. don't use exclamation points uh buttons are not that big. They're like normal. Um, I think the standard practice at least for uh, mobile is to have the button, uh, height as big as your thumb yeah. or something like that. Yeah. The color honestly depends on the branding. If yeah, the brand yeah. uses red, I'm going to use red. Yeah. But uh, you're not going to see like flashy or arrows or things like that. You don't have to be very in your in your audience's face. You don't have to be annoying to see conversions.
0: I'm glad you said that because the amount of times folks have turned around to me and said, can you make the button a bit bigger? (laughs) And I've thought to myself, it doesn't need to be bigger.
1: (laughs) Well, here is. Here's something else that I do that is very different from what a lot of people are doing in the first emails, in the first promo emails, uh, I don't have a button in the above the fold. You have to scroll to see the button in the right. email. And the call to action in those first three to five emails is actually at the end of the email. Right. So the idea is that uh, if someone won't spend the time to go through that email, scan it at least, and mm. then see the button, then I can't expect them to convert. And actually, I wouldn't want them to convert because there would not be the right fit at that point. Because um, something that a lot of people are not getting is that if someone buys your product, you want them to use it, because yeah. then they become brand advocates. And they talk about the experience they've had with other people, which can bring more leads or potential buyers.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. That's interesting because you, the, the person the person who reads the email or, or scan reads the email is, is going to be the person who is actually interested in buying something, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm.
1: Exactly. Because we can hoard buyers, right? Yeah. But if they're not using the product, they're not helping us scale. Because yeah. if they bought it and they haven't used it, then can they be a returning customer?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting that I like that tactic. Definitely. Um, so how much time, I know what you're going to say, loads of time, but how much time do you think we need to spend kind of understanding the behavior of our customers? Do you think we do enough of it?
1: I don't think people do enough of it. I think... Um, Some people do have the insights, but they're not using it strategically. Um, It's an ongoing process. I I update customer avatars once a year. Right. But a lot of people don't even have that customer profile. Right. They have that. I don't know if we invented it, but it's such a bullshit exercise. Hmm. Like imagine your ideal customer. The ideal customer is not the person who's going to buy that. And (laughs) it's not the person who's going to have the best results with what you do. It's a completely useless exercise. Instead, people need to understand that if you're in business and you want to be in business long-term, you need to do market research. You need to go to where is my customer hanging out? What is the problem they have? Who else? Is solving that problem or educating them about the problem what are they saying what are their expectations because if you don't know your customer everything you do is always going to be vague yeah. and off point and it's going to sound off for, to the people you have because you can buy a, a list right and yeah. those people are going to start to receive your emails but if they're not the right fit they're not going to buy. They're not going to engage. They're not going to open your emails because you haven't done the previous step.
0: Yeah. So do, do you still build avatars? Do you still build yeah. those? How many? Do, I mean, do you is one or do do multiple?
1: So we usually have one. Uh, I teach this at data-driven marketing as well for people who mm. want to do it on their own. Uh, so it all starts with if you have an email list, send a survey. And then you analyze the results. And based on that, you start to build that profile. Because you're going to see recurring themes. You're going to see recurring pain points, problems, questions, objections. Uh, In one situation, uh, when we started working with a client a long time ago, and they were wondering, why are people not buying? And we sent a survey that came back 90% negative, impressions about the brand. And I initially got so scared. I was like, I'm, this is, how am I going to fix this? <laughs> yeah. And then I just took all the fears and objections they had about working with the brand and solved them in emails and sales pages and the communication of that brand for like the duration of a year. Yeah. Because the brand was actually doing um, I don't know, fulfilling the expectations or, or was delivering good results, but they weren't communicating it. Sure. So consumers, they just had their own perceptions about what was going on. And if nobody talked to them, then they just stayed stuck in the perception they had about that brand.
0: Yeah. I I always, I always recommend that marketers go and spend a little bit of time with the customer support staff if yes. if there are any and and sit sit and listen to phone calls and conversations and read emails and things and and just find out what people are really saying
1: but it's a, it's an amazing process like mm. it it's not just about informing your copywriting it changes everything if you don't have customer feedback how mm. do you know the product you're selling does what it's supposed to do yeah, and yeah. there are so many examples from the history of advertising about how people were using instant coffee back in the 60s and yeah. the perception um, at home wives had about them using the instant coffee, thinking that would make them feel lazy. Yeah. And then the company just changed their positioning and then sales started to come in just because they listened to their audience. And It's insane. You can create new products. You can create new business uh, areas that uh, would be very well received in the market, but only if you have that amazing insight.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. I I could literally chat to you about this for hours um, (laughs) because it is fascinating. Um, Monica, um, where can we find you? Where's your website and, and your bits and pieces and that?
1: Oh, so my website is my name, monicabadiou.com. And um, you can also find me at datadrivenmarketing.co. We have a podcast there as well, which is dedicated to course creators. But if you're interested in learning more about how I do the copywriting and consumer behavior stuff, you can listen to those episodes and you'll you'll learn exactly how I do it because it's no secret, honestly. (laughs) I would rather people Take this approach where they ask themselves, does my customer actually need what I'm trying to sell to them rather yeah. than just not do it or just, I don't know, send discounts and discounts yeah. Yeah, yeah. and annoy people with red exclamation points.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I must admit I have sent the odd exclamation point. I should stop doing it, shouldn't I? I should.
1: One, one <laughs> per subject line. maybe. <laughs>
0: definitely Uh, Monica I'll leave some links to everything in the show notes so folks can tap on those and um, thanks for your time I really appreciate it
1: thank you it was a pleasure and if people have questions about what we talked, just leave a comment or send a message and I would happily happily answer all those questions
0: fantastic thanks for joining me
1: thank you for inviting me
0: Thanks again to Monica for her time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.